Hello wherever you are. This is New on Netflix UK with the two Robbies. Uh, thank you for joining us. We're going to be looking at a couple of things this time. Rob, what are we going to look at? We're going to do Challenger, the final flight, about a disastrous uh, rocket launch. And we're going to do season four, or series four, if you're in the UK, of The Crown. And here's a clip of the first one, which is Challenger, the final flight. This coming January, a space shuttle will be launched carrying one of America's teachers. The shuttle flies like a commercial aircraft. Challenger, you are free to take off now. The voice came on the loudspeaker and said the vehicle has exploded. Challenger, The Final Flight, is a docudrama series, kind of, uh, I would say. There's a little bit of a dramatic element to it, which we'll get on to. Uh, over four episodes, um, which I think is ambitious, uh, personally. Uh, and it's about the tragic circumstances surrounding the explosion of the Challenger shuttle um, as it um, started to take off. Uh, from Florida in 1980 oh this is the bit that I didn't research 85 or 6 I think it's 6 I can't remember but it was around then it was around then Um, and this was an era as as many people are probably aware where the US was trying to go bigger and and better than um, its Russian counterparts Um, it already had won the space race in a sense by sending a person to the moon first but it was keen to show that um, it could have numerous flights going up um, into space. Um, and one of the ways that they were going to try and keep the American public's attention and the wider world's attention was to do a lot of firsts. So they had the first African-American person to go up. Uh, they had the first woman to go up. And uh, in this this instance, the first school teacher was going to go up. So there's this big drawn out process where uh, a school teacher was chosen amongst like 12, I think, uh, potential school teachers and the whole idea was to make it a more human and um, accessible thing for the public um it was a pr stunt and there, there were numerous pr stunts during this period when people had got a little bit bored of seeing rockets go up but in this instance it it, it really did capture people's imagination and you know the um the retelling of this tragic incident is pretty powerful you know you, you, it's it's a really shocking thing even now I think I mean obviously I wasn't old enough I was born in 84 so I wasn't old enough to actually see it myself but I can just imagine from the footage that is shown in this programme how horrific it must have been if you were particularly if you were a young person because obviously as a school teacher was going up a lot of schools would have been watching the live footage of this happen um what's interesting is that a lot of people didn't realise what was happening as it was happening they thought oh this might be part of it um but people who knew knew straight away and so part of the documentary uh, docu and it's a docudrama series i would say because it has um like a number of other sort of similar things it actually has a a vague sort of reconstruction of certain events but not with live actors just with that sort of weird soft focus thing which personally i find not very successful i don't think it's a particularly good way of presenting information um i thought this was not a great docu-series and the reason why is because i don't think it really got to the heart of why challenger occurred it, it spoke about what happened and it showed the subsequent actions of government agencies and, and a sort of inquiry 
um, of what happened, but it doesn't really get into the psyche of the organisation to the extent that I would have liked it to. NASA was clearly an organisation that was full of men who thought they were kings of the world, basically, and thought that they nothing could go wrong. And that the scenes where it's talking about this particular thing that goes wrong, which is the O-rings, I mean, it's, it's not worth going into what that is and all that stuff necessarily, but it was very clear from the backstory that this was a, a problem that they hadn't sorted out, and yet they went ahead anyway. Um, I didn't feel like that was compellingly told. I feel like I didn't need to learn loads and loads of stuff about that. There's an entire episode, I think it's episode three, which is almost dedicated to this uh, backstory of, of the O-rings and, and how the decisions were made and all this kind of stuff. And uh, I thought, well, yeah, I mean, that was how the decisions were made, but it doesn't really give me much insight into why this happened. And the fact is that it happened again. That, that They briefly touched on that in, I think, the final episode. In 2003, it isn't the same issue, but it's in terms of the decision-making, in terms of the safety checks, the same reason leads to another disaster that does end up with more fatalities. Um, so for me, I wanted something a bit more forensic. Um, and I also didn't think, even within the four episodes, they really explored the characters in the same way they should have done. Um, an instance of this is that there's a, um, a famous um, physicist called uh, Richard Fe- Feynman, I think that's how you say his name, who is on the panel who is like looking into what happened with this disaster. Um, and he's clearly a personality. They talk about his personality, but they don't. Sh- they share a tiny bit of footage of something that made a big difference to this inquiry. But they just they should have expanded that bit and talked much more about what he was talking about and what that showed about NASA and it's just a sort of there's so many fleeting clips of this inquiry which looks like could have been a film on its on its own to me um so I just think the emphasis they took was wrong I think there's some compelling moments in it and there's there's definitely some horrific moments I don't think they get into the backstory of the people who died I think they get the school teacher maybe she they did quite well at showing what she was like but they don't really delve into the other people who died on that day um Robbie I'm hearing a lot of crashing behind you Oh, I don't know what that is, Rob. Is someone dropping some boxes? Okay. Uh... It, it might be my jaw dropping, Rob. Why? Because you thought I'd like this. I'm going to very aggressively challenge you on two points. Can Go... I do that now, or would you like to keep talking for a bit? Uh, no, I think I've pretty much got to the end. Go for it. First of all, I, I, I'm, I'm raising, I'm wagging my finger at this point. <laughs> now, you're talking about the psyche of NASA. And you're saying we didn't really get into that. Now, I thought there was a scene which was sort of the dramatri- a dramatised scene, um, which where you had uh, NASA people on a conference call in, in one building, and then you had some engineers that had been involved in one part of the rocket in another building. And it took you through the decision-making process of whether the flight, that's the right word, should go ahead or not. And there was a lot of uh, covering yourself and uh, people trying to, um, some people recommend it doesn't go ahead, but having to sign documents saying it should go ahead and things like that. Now, I thought that was quite illuminating into the the NASA psyche. And I thought that did do exactly (laughs) what you're saying the program didn't do. And secondly, and I really am quite aggressive about this, you said, and I quote, there should be a film about the personality of uh, the 
physicist. There is a film about the personality of the physicist, which was a documentary, which was a drama that was on the BBC, I think about eight years ago, called The Challenger. Oh, okay. Uh, rather cleverly. And um, three quarters of the way through watching this documentary series, I, I turned to Roberta and said, I think I've seen this, which is impossible because it was new on Netflix. Uh, and I realised that, that what I'd seen was The Challenger many years ago, this, this drama. And the drama focused a lot around this dramatic scene um, in the inquiry with the O-rings and freezing of the O-rings and that sort of thing. And um, that uh, there has been a drama that was all about his personality. So it may be they didn't want to... It was th- I think it was just a TV drama, it had William Hurt in it. Um, I think they maybe mm. didn't want to go over that again to tr- to tread that ground which had already been well trodden. Okay, that does explain it, and I'm happy with that as a criticism. Um, going back to the, and that's fine. And actually, that does sound very interesting. To be fair, and by the way, I like the way you uh, worked the name of our podcast into that little description as well. Yeah, uh, neat. <laughs> um, but to go back to the other thing, um, I think we're just going to have to differ on that because for me, it kind of doesn't. It's, to me, it's not the psychology of those meetings that matters. That, I mean, I can imagine that without even needing to hear about it. It's the wider point about the social... I mean, yeah, yeah you're going to say I'm just one of these annoying, like, I don't know, lefties or whatever. The, so, <laughs> <laughs> the woke liberal metropolitan elite. That's, that's the one. Yeah, that's it. Okay, I forgot the actual terminology. Um, the, it's, the, it's the fact that he... It's, it's the fact that they don't forensically analyse the 1980s mindset. The mindset, and it continued into the 90s in America, of we're invincible. And what it is about even people who are scientists, you know, NASA is, you could argue, the epitome of American science. And yet the, the, the practice of science, which is fundamentally a sceptical or at least an inquiring or at least a humble there's lots of things that scientific inquiry hasn't uncovered yet and that should be the basis for a lot of scientific work the fact that that wasn't the ethic of this organization that it continues to not be the ethic of this organization is to me i don't know maybe that is a too deeper point but for me that's what i want to see and i i i I watched the i watched challenger the final flight and i thought I wish I was watching something else. I wish I wasn't watching this slightly half assed Let's have a little bit of background on the people. Oh, let's show the footage that is really shocking. Oh, oh, let's. It didn't. It tick. It took. It ticked the boxes, but there was another massive box on the end that I wanted to tick. Well, I'm going to read you a couple of reviews yeah. from the Cardiff Internet Movie Database, and. I want you to tell me whether this is the 1 out of 10 or the 10 out of 10 review, because we pick one of each, right? Yeah. The producers of this filth... <laughs> <laughs> what do you think so, so far? Any, any ideas? Uh, is it the 1 out of 10, buddy? It is. The producers of this filth should be ashamed of their petty little snuff movie. <laughs> this is not how you do history. It is pure sensationalism that tricks the audience in a meaningless, gross type of voyeurism. It is disgusting. This production company should be barred from producing historical narratives. Perhaps they should be disbanded altogether. Anybody who thinks this cheap exploitation of real-world drama is proper historical synthesis 
should have a long, hard think about their apparent tastes and preferences. <laughs> Out of how many people found this helpful, Rob? Out of fifty-four, how many found that review helpful? <laughs> two, two or something. I don't know. Ten. <laughs> Ten. Okay. Um, well, can I just say I think that. You can't. I mean, you can't make a movie about much that is a disaster where people die. Um, if you're just gonna, if it's just to be called a snuff movie, it isn't a snuff movie? It didn't it, feel like that at all. To no, me. no. I mean, it's, it's it it does show you know the depth of feeling and emotion. But actually, even that, I don't feel like they really got under the skin of their um of their participants. Like the interviews with some of the family members are alarmingly. I mean, it's a long time after the events, obviously, but alarmingly somehow devoid of emotion interestingly i think um there was one there's one particular person who was the of the older woman i can't remember what her name was um or more indeed the person and it's terrible this is the thing is that i think she was the spouse of one of the pilots that's right yeah and she that's was who you're thinking of she was quite emotional um sorry and, and before you go on to the 10 out of 10 um i i also think the um access they got to people who do regret the decision but didn't approve it, if you see what I mean, yes. uh, was good, but they didn't get very good footage of those people and they didn't actually get very much out of them. Um, they might have got a sort of slight apology or whatever. Maybe that's difficult to get to. But, um, yeah, I kind of thought if someone they can manage to get, you know, uh, the chap who's head of it and they got, you know, that really horrible man who was basically saying, I'd do exactly the same thing again, the older chap, I can't remember his name. Um, I just thought he's repulsive, but... There were a couple of other people. I thought they. One of them was quite apologetic. But the other one, I didn't really interview enough. I can't remember his name. Is it Munro? No. I know the guy you mean. Yeah, you know what I yeah. mean. He didn't really get interviewed properly. Anyway, ten out of ten. Go on. A beautiful and heartbreaking experience. NASA's shuttle program was an experiment into normalising spaceflight for all the world, and this experiment was fraught with danger and politics and heroism. This documentary, wonderfully crafted, using archive footage interviews and b-roll from the time as well as interviews and recreations from today explores the excitements and frustration that led up to one of the greatest disasters in american space travel the stories of space travel accidents and deaths have always affected me emotionally and this series is no different you will likely be sad angry filled with immense pride and respect at the sacrifice hard work and willingness to give one's life to the pursuit of progress Okay, I mean that sounds. I don't think, you, I don't think you're going to agree with that one, are you, Rob? Well, it's. I mean, if that's what you took from it, that's fine. It's just that a lot of people are quite uncritical about things that they. I mean, I would be about you know if you throw on a you know Leicester City won the champ uh, the Premier League you know five years ago throw on that mm. video video I'd be giving it a ten out of ten, wouldn't I? Because I'm a Leicester City fan. But and and if you're interested in space travel or you've been affected by it, your family of someone who's been involved in it or whatever, you know, there'll be a linkage there that that person is coming from, and that's that's sort of making their perspective very narrow. But I think if you looked at it in the round, you would go it's at best a seven out of ten. For me, it's a five out of ten. Um, it's not it's not very well put together. It's just it's not it's not really seamless. You watch it and you go. I don't really want to watch four episodes of this. I'd watch one really good feature-length film. Uh, and actually, that's the other thing I would say, is that I've seen a lot of good space films recently, and this didn't compare. Like, if you compare this to, like, Apollo 11, the recent film about the first, um, you know, the first moon landing, that is a, such a good film. Like, particularly on the big screen, but I think probably on the small screen as well. So good at getting to the heart of... Like, the, the footage on that is just out of this world that how it portrays spaceflight and how it felt you can feel yourself being on the sort of um 
uh, what's gonna say runway? What do you call it? The, the liftoff tower, you know. Launch pad. Launch pad. That's. <laughs> I shouldn't talk about space films because I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, but uh, yeah, so I just think if a bit of a broad perspective, you'd be like, well, actually, it isn't a classic. It's 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 not bad. It's not terrible. But I think there's a lot more that could have been done with it. So you gave it five out of ten, even though we don't do ratings. What um what score? Did 4,161 people on the Cardiff Internet Movie Database give it as an average? Okay, it's TV and uh, it's about something serious. Uh, so let's say... <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's say 8.1. Chuck that in the algorithm. Um, it's 7.9. So yes, you're very yeah. close. Okay. It's TV and it's about something <laughs> serious. So give it an extra two points. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to some TV, which is, is it serious or is it farcical? I'm not sure. Anyway, uh, here's a clip from our second thing, um, which is the second thing. The second item that on the, we're reviewing on new on Netflix, uh, that is The Crown Series 4. And here's a clip of that. Your Majesty, I think we have enough respect for one another personally to ask ourselves some of the bigger questions woman to woman we are the same age after all really just six months between us oh and who is the senior i am ma'am okay the crown series four what i mean it i could i could sort of do a generic generic review but what the way i've chosen to review this um, and just to say we have reviewed the crown i think we did i think we did the rest of it didn't we uh, in a previous yes, episode. Yes, we did, yeah, because I remember we talked about the change from um, Claire Foy to Olivia Coleman. Yes, um, that is going to get an airing again, obviously. Um, I thought better than um, giving a review of generically of what I thought about the whole thing, I would actually just do a very, very quick synopsis of each episode. And that's not going to take more than five seconds for each episode, so it's not going to be longer than a minute. And hang I'm... on, hang on. No, no, no. <laughs> no, you don't need to time it. Don't time it, please. So you got... You, I mean, a minute gives you an extra 10 seconds because <laughs> you're saying you can do it in 50. Okay, R- on your R- marks. Robbie, Robbie, not everything is a race. Just let me do it in my own speed. <laughs> okay. And, and the other, right. the other if thing... If it goes on too long, though, I'm going to cut you off. The other thing I'll do after that, and I think this will be good for both of us to chip in on, maybe, is to just go through the different performances of the different characters because I think that's what people like and tend to talk about with this show because it's obviously real people that historical figures or at least or even living figures you know so um this is the sort of chat we should have before we start recording but never mind <laughs> yeah but it's, it, it helps the listener because now they know what to expect don't they? now they know what's coming all right brilliant uh, okay episode one it's called gold stick right and uh, oh, by the way i'm not going to try and i'm not trying not to spoil things but effectively this is the one where it's about the ira right or at least a little bit about the ira because if you don't know the history uh, a very close family friend of the royals does get assassinated by the ira um and, and it's about that really um and i can't really remember much else about that episode other than it was a reintroduction to the crown and an introduction to the characters um and i think charles meets diana in that one okay so that's that's episode one so much so so far so far so okay uh episode two the balmoral test now this is the one where thatcher goes to spend time with the royals um which if you know anything about me i found painful uh <laughs> It was... I, I just... I didn't like that episode. Right. Um, episode three 
Stop me, by the way, if you want to make a comment about any of these. Well, uh, it seems to me that you, you basically aren't going to like any of the episodes with Thatcher in, which is about three quarters <laughs> of them, but carry on. No, no, can no. You not, can you not separate your your own views <laughs> from, a, from a work of drama? I can, yes. Um, there do, you, are... do you watch a film with Hitler in and say, I, I can't watch this, he's <laughs> an awful man? No, no. Um, that's not... No, I can separate my views, but... It's when you put the two together in one episode. I've only got to episode two, Rob. Just give me a chance. Okay. Okay. Question, um, episode three, fairy tale. Um, so this is um, the one basically where Charles and Diana are going to get married. It's just before they get married. And it's like, oh, actually, yeah, they don't even talk to each other. Um, she's been left on her own in the palace for ages and is going mad because of it, because that's a really horrible thing to do to anyone. Um, and it just shows the horrible conformity of the monarchy now i don't think that they set out to make a piece of propaganda with this series but to me it felt like one more than the other three series it felt like they were going in hard on the royals in this one and almost like they're ramping up for the 90s when it gets really bad for the royals anyway uh, episode four um is the one where it's factually inaccurate which is incontrovertible because thatcher wasn't um having the uh, her son wasn't missing when the Falkland crisis was happening, and they conflate the two issues and put them together. Um, you might say there's dramatic license to do that. Personally, I find it really annoying, especially when you look it up afterwards and go, well, that didn't happen. Um, <laughs> but I think that's one of the more compelling um, insights into Thatcher as a person, actually, that episode. It's very good about that. And also it follows what the Queen does with her children and how she feels about all of them with some sort of really horrible stuff about Andrew, which is quite topical and contemporary um, and uh, makes her realise that she doesn't know her children. Oh, I wonder why that is. It's because she didn't even bother to help them be brought up. Anyway, uh, episode five. <laughs> are, you, are you still are you still with me? I know st- I, yeah, I am, Rob. I think that you're... you're... You're still just failing to separate your personal views from the drama. Okay, episode five, Fagin. So this is about the guy who sneaks into um, the palace, right? This this is a really good episode um, because it involves someone who isn't a royal, okay? Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, I think you're watching the wrong programme. If you want something without any royals in it, you probably shouldn't watch The Crown. No, I agree, but I I actually... That's why we need to get to the characters because actually the performances and particular characters shine for me so we'll get to that but that's a really good episode um it's like this it it also is the most politically insightful because this chap goes back to his housing estate you know after he's sneaked into the palace oh no it's before that he sneaks in twice after the first time he goes back and it says the falklands is happening and all of his working class estate you know uh, absolutely run down you know um completely deprived are all absolutely over the moon excited about the falklands war and love Thatcher and it's it's one of those moments you just go ah I get it I get understand the 80s and I know that most people probably do understand that anyway but it's it's good to be reminded that that was a lot of what was going on with the politics of Britain at that point anyway uh, episode six I'm trying to go quickly Terra uh, Nullius this is where they go to Charles Diana go to Australia it's really quite an interesting episode I thought that was a really good episode about their relationship and what happened with it I thought that was a really good one, um, probably because they're in really beautiful locations. Partly that is... The re- I think that was the highest rated one of the series on IMDb. Okay, interesting, yeah. I think so, yeah. I think it's because people really like Diana. Uh, question uh, question seven? Episode seven. I think I'm doing a pub quiz. Uh, episode seven, the hereditary principle. <laughs> hereditary principle. This is, a, this, is this sort of like the one where Helena Bonham Carter got written into a contract. There will be one episode about my character where I can act really well, okay? Um, because she is a bit of a tour de force in this episode. Um, it's to do with her mental health, to do with 
how she feels like a listless royal and she's got no use to anyone. Um, it's not an incredibly good episode, but the performance is fantastic. And there's also a, a sort of supporting performance by some actor that I've seen before who is pretty good. Um, uh, but episode eight, this is the one. That, that's the episode you sh- everyone should watch, um, 48-1. It's the best political episode. So obviously, I think it's the best one. It's about um, the sanctions that um, all of the Commonwealth, except Thatcher, wanted to issue to South Africa under apartheid. Very interesting episode. Watch that one if you're going to watch one episode, in my view. Episode 9 and 10, a boring Charles and Diana arguing episodes. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> right, OK. When I watch these with Roberta... Yeah. OK. It's the complete opposite of, of watching it with you. OK. It, it, because what she likes is the royal romances, seeing how they develop and all those sort of things. Um, but when when there's a long bit about the the politics of it, she's not interested. So, it, so I I think there's probably two sides to this story. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's and fine. maybe that's why the crown is good. Maybe that's why it's so popular. I think so. I think they do get the balance of like ones that are pretty slow and boring in my view, and ones that are like, oh, there's actually something that's going on in this episode. Quite good. Um, it, it keeps a lot of people on side. You're right. Um, so nine is the one about the the avalanche, which is called avalanche. Um, which I was just like, well, they didn't even show him almost die. I mean, come on. Uh, ten. Um, <laughs> <laughs> ten was called war, um, which is when Thatcher goes, which is you know obviously one of the reasons why I think that's the best episode. But then the Queen gives her a bloody medal for goodness' sake. Anyway. Um, and that, that's also the one where I, I think throughout the series, and we'll get to this when I talk about the characters, I really liked Emma Corrin as Diana. But I really, I think that the thing about Diana that I don't think I'd appreciate even, I think it's easy to be cynical if you're like this kind of like, oh, well, Diana died and everyone went into this weird grief thing. Um, I don't think that if you were born in the 80s, you could really appreciate how she impacted the image of the royal family at that point and how people took to her. And I think that episode, as well as a, a, maybe one more, the Australia one, really show well how she became a superstar and what it was that made her a superstar um, and, 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 and made me really like her and really, really respect her, actually, which is an interesting thing, because I don't think I would ever be in that position because she married into royalty. But I, I now have some respect, for, a lot of respect for her. Um, anyway, that's the episodes. Have you got anything to say about those? <laughs> I can read my poem. Oh, you've got a poem. I right, do the poem and then we'll do the, uh, let's do the performances. Okay, great. The Crown Series 4 stretches the truth of history. Why they do it, I suppose, isn't a mystery. It creates better drama and much better stories, although it has certainly upset a few Tories. <laughs> For example, the Falklands episode changed the timeline, but I think that it still worked. That was still fine. Well, the bit where she meets the bloke who broke in was based on the fact which are ridiculously thin but it's still a great show the production is still classy the accents are great Charles is quite arsy but if someone made a drama about my family I'd prefer a pre-show warning or perhaps two or three very good so what what kind of warning would be put up then if, if you if the someone made a series called the uh, the lanes the, the lanes <laughs> this this is fiction <laughs> Please, please do not think of any of this as reality. And I think it's, in a way, I do think it's a little bit, uh, dangerous is probably too strong a word, but you, you blend together recreations of real events that everyone remembers and saw on telly with um, things that happen behind, behind closed doors, conversations and arguments. And in, in the viewer's mind, you subconsciously think, well, 
that was an accurate recreation of what happened in public. So that must be an accurate representation of what happened in private. And the reality is that nobody knows. Sometimes they don't know. And sometimes they um, change it for drama. Uh, And, for example, the episode with um, Mr. Fagan, uh, Michael Fagan. Yeah, Um, yeah. No one... I mean, uh, to be fair... um, no one knows and they did make the point in the episode no one knows what the conversation was that they had mm. um, but there are multiple conversations behind closed doors and I know you have to dramatise them otherwise it wouldn't be much of a yeah. drama I have... I, if, if it was my family I would be spitting blood really yeah. spitting feathers or spitting blood which is it it's feathers spit, spitting feathers yeah <laughs> I think that's something else um, uh, that's what happens to Helen Norm Carter at one point isn't it um, yes and, it is <laughs> um what I, I completely agree with you, and I think that that's why the Fagan episode works for me because it, it is the kind of thing someone would have said. Like he doesn't like. I think they play it really well, actually. I don't think that they, they take dramatic license. They have to because they don't know what as you say. They don't know what they said. But I think it really works because they've built up the character, and it's clear what perspective he would have been coming from. Um, it's you know all of. The, I think that's the weird thing about the Crown is I think the best episodes are the ones that focus away from the, the Crown itself. But someone interacting with it in a in an odd way, or or you know like the the Abba fan episode we always go on about this, but the the one where it's like the, the tragic incident in the mining village in Wales, and it's about the humanity of the moment and whether the Queen could rise to it and whether she did or not. And I think that, that that's a sort of deeper point that it's trying to to get across, and I think it, it works really well in those kind of episodes. Um, should we go into the performances then? Yeah. I mean, I thought the, the the sort of you've got kind of an interplay. You've kind of got three female leads in this because you've obviously got the Queen, but you've also got Thatcher and Diana. Um, yeah. And, and you've the the three of them not often on screen together, but those they're kind of three stories happening together, aren't they? That's what yeah. I thought was interesting about the series. That's a good macro point. I hadn't even considered that to be honest. I think because they don't interact, in, obviously, they don't interact in the same. See, as you just said, they're not in the same scene, so I didn't think of it like that. But yeah, that's true. It does it does work well. I mean, okay, let's go through. Olivia Coleman, right? I still think she's too funny. Like, the, the, like even though I know, as we've just said, we don't know what happens behind closed doors. We don't know how funny the Queen is. I just don't believe her. She's just too funny. Like, as a person, her facial features, the way that she... I just want Claire Foy back. I just want Claire Foy to come back, please. Yes, I, I agree. I, I really am a big fan of Olivia Coleman. Yeah. But... Don't think she's quite right. No, I, I think she gives it a really good go. Yeah, but as you said, I just see her too much as um, uh, a lighter character. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, she she was in Broadchurch, and that certainly wasn't a light oh, character. And she, she pulled that off really well. Okay, I I, I I I lost a little bit of what you said there, but I'm sure it will be picked up. Oh, it was it was spot on. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, you carry on. Tobias Menzies is Prince Philip. Now, I didn't really like him in the first and the third series of season because I was used to Matt Smith. But now I've got used to him. I actually think he's pretty good. I don't have a problem with him. He's sort of not not much to write home about, but does some decent scenes. Bonham Carter, as I said, was fantastic in that one episode, but she's not really given much to do. Um, It is almost like they wrote an episode for her because, like, she's just a bit part really in this era. Um, It's only when she's going to get towards the bit where she dies that she's probably going to become a bit more of a character. Um... Josh O'Connor as Charles. Um, now, I think that I can't imagine... I find it difficult to imagine Charles as, like, an angry young... Well, not young man, but angry sort of quarter-aged man um, or middle-aged man. Um, I, I just... 
I struggle with the amount of irateness and anger that I see in him because I don't see that in Charles. It's, a, it's similar to the Queen, is that I don't believe he would get that angry. Um, and so I, I you think, think they've made they've dramatised it, and make it a bit more juicy. Yeah, but also, but yeah, and I, I, I we don't see the need for that. I think Charles's aloofness enough is a reason enough for Diana to be annoyed at him and his um, lack of attention and his love of Camilla. I think that's enough. They don't need to make him this sort of histrionic character, um, which I'm not sure the historical fact of that, of whether they did really have large rows or whether it was just the fact that they never really fell in love with each other and never really were suitable for each other. Um, so I, I think he's a great actor, Josh O'Connor. I think he does a great job with what he's given, but um, uh, I, I don't think that the character's drawn in the right way, maybe. Um, and... Erin uh, Doherty plays Anne, thinks she's great. She was in Series 3 as well and thinks she's quite a believable portrayal. I don't really know Anne in, in real life, so I don't really have nothing to compare to, but she seems to be a, a sort of accurate portrayal of a sort of spiky, younger royal kind of thing. Um, and then you've got uh, Camilla. Uh, t- she's too good-looking. That's I'd say she's just too... The, the, character, the actress playing her is just too good-looking. I know that seems superficial, but um, she's not sufficiently... She, there's lines in it where she says, I'm not as good looking as Diana and things like that. You think, well, you're not far off. I mean, is that, I mean, I know this is just horrible superficial and I'm a man and I shouldn't be making these comments, but it does seem like that is a bit of a weird thing. They, they need to find a different actor. Um, Gillian Anderson. Oh, blimey. I love Gillian Anderson, but I'm not sure about this. Really? I mean, it... Wow. I mean, okay, go, yeah, no, this is, right, this is the one... Go on. You, I'm, yeah, right, you carry on. Yeah. <laughs> You've been thinking about interrupting, but not sure what to say yet. Um, I think that she, to start with, you go, oh my goodness, that gets her voice. Oh my goodness, that's perfect. Oh my goodness, does Thatcher speak like that to her in her family when she's making the dinner? Um, oh wow, I didn't realise that. Um, which has been a bit of a comment in the media and stuff. Oh, she wouldn't have spoken like that. She was doing it for show. She had elocution lessons. She knew how to carry herself in the public arena to you know, have that sort of power and that force behind what she was saying. Um, I do think it is an impersonation. I did, someone said to that on Twitter to me or something and I went, no, it's not too bad. And then I watched a few of my episodes and I was like, yeah, it kind of is an impersonation rather than an actual acting performance. But in a way, the imp- what's, what's the difference? Well, I know. And that's the thing. But what I mean is, what I mean when I say impersonation is that she, she is in a way she is embodying the superficial elements of Thatcher's like public persona um, and making that the acting rather than her thinking about the, it's almost like a difference between method acting and uh, caricature is that you're, if you're a method actor, you would go what emotions would, or what feelings or not, or non feelings in Thatcher's case, would you have as you're going through all of these um, experiences? Um, um, but I don't know whether she could have done it a different way. I think actually, you know, I've got to give her the benefit of the doubt, but it does just feel over the top in the same way that Victor, um, Olivia Coleman feels too, too funny. I think that she feels too over the top. I think it's a tremendous vocal and physical performance, but that, that maybe isn't what would have made it. A, it that doesn't make it a, an, an outstanding performance. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. Um, and then you've got um, Emma Corrin as Diana, and I think she just does a great job. I can't really see a flaw in that performance. She, she's not, 
she's she's able to show the a number of different emotions she's n- perhaps not as good at maybe the sort of um the stature that a figure like diana had in our eyes like um but i think she she generally does a really good job and is is, is really believable um and then finally this is the only other one i've got is um is the character who plays michael fagan tom brook and he does a great job but i think that's more to do with the screenplay that they gave him they gave him a backstory they gave him a lot of time on screen they gave him bus rides they gave him walking through estates they gave him fist fights you know it's like they actually gave him a backstory and something interesting about his character that gave him some meat to play with and i think that's the thing is that certain characters just don't get very much like Pelle Bonham Carter just don't have much to to do in it um mm. okay here's the one out of 10 review Series one, great series. Really, series two, really good. Series three, all right. Series four, kind of terrible. The problem with series four are many, but not most of all. It shows how useless the royals have become in society. It's very hard to keep any interest in them, unlike in series one to three, where they still had some use in cooperation with the government. Now they've just become expensive and pompous dinosaurs. The production values are still good and direction also, but it's hard to keep any interest in such people. I think that is more of a review that you were doing, yeah. a review of, of the uh, the people in the real world rather than of the program, personally. Yeah, but I, I uh, that made me think just then uh, that it's trying, in a sense, to show that they weren't irrelevant um, in, in certain respects. You know, the episode about South Africa and sanctions is trying to show that the Queen had a vital hand and a vital role to play in that political decision to issue a you know an international sanction against south africa um and i think that some of the conversations that happened between the queen and thatcher uh, again that's another part we're never going to know whether that's what actually happened the, the friction between them i did find believable I, I did find that there will have been a conflict between the queen's the queen is a conservative person but she's not a cons- not you know largely conservative i mean there's always people going oh the royals you know if they voted they'd all vote tory you know um well yeah maybe but i think that even then the queen does have a level of objectivity that thatcher wouldn't have you know and um that relationship would was quite believable to me that she would be saying well you're not really caring for the poor there's three million people unemployed it, it comes out of her christian faith fr- uh, frankly i think even even a smarty conservative christian would have a worry about the the hardness and the the the, the rapidity of what Thatcher was doing to the country, um, and she wasn't. This is the thing. I think the thing that the Crown does do is it shows the Queen isn't stupid, and that's good because a lot of people will just think oh, they won't think she's stupid, but they won't think she's got a role in these political matters, and she absolutely does. And that's one of the reasons I'm a Republican because I don't think the Queen, having not been elected, should have a role in those things. But sermon over. You had to get it in there. <laughs> just. Had to say it, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I did, yeah. Right, 10 out of 10 review. The Crown is one of the best shows in recent television. It feels somehow organic. It makes you sympathise and connect with those people that you would otherwise would never have. The ultimate depiction of this family and how their problems and pains surround something bigger, always something bigger, the Crown. It's brilliant. The acting's phenomenal. Every actor feels perfect for the role and becomes this character in a way that I've never seen before in television. So, Rob... The overall score, I couldn't find a series score for The Crown. I found various episodes scores. But oh. What's the overall series, the, the overall score for The Crown? Series 4? On IMDb, no, the whole show. I couldn't find a, a score oh. just for series 4. Oh, OK, yeah, there wouldn't be. Um, oh. OK, it's got to be 8, hasn't it? 8.3. 8.7. Whoa, that's really high, even for a Very TV series. 
Yeah. The, uh, can I just say one other thing that I noted as I went through? Their use, uh, when they have that one scene in Parliament, which is uh, one of Thatcher's cabinet resigning. Yes. I thought that was so dreadfully stated. It didn't look anything like Parliament. <laughs> Do you think so? No, I thought it was, I thought it was, I thought it was just really lame, that that staging and I know that's probably because that's all they could afford well, it's probably not all they can afford but it just, just... I, I thought it was better than usual normally when you get parliament what you get is a real close up of a sort of green bench yeah but there's a reason you, for that and you know that there's only <laughs> <laughs> that you know that there's only about you know a very small section of the, the House of Commons shown but they showed a fairly large bit of it didn't they yeah that's the problem is they showed we almost saw behind the curtain. It was like, yeah, it's it not not a good enough set for them. Oh, anyway, we're going to disagree on that one. That's fine. <laughs> I think we've disagreed on everything today, Rob. No, no, we've agreed on some things. You agree with me about it? That's Olivia, all right. Olivia Coleman. That's the main thing. I, I did think the, the the Diana, the actress that played Diana, was the actor. Sorry, that played Diana was uh, really good. Yeah, I agreed. So I mean, what, hang on. Before we go, move on. Series five, then. Is, this, yes. is it going to be... Well, this was like 11 years from 79 to 90, so it's basically Thatcher's reign, right? So the next period is going to be, what is it, 1990 to 19, 2003 or 2001? Or? I, suppose, I, I suppose so. The one thing I read that was quite interesting is that the guy the guy that's behind this series, I think his name is Peter Morgan. Peter Morgan, he, yeah. He also did the, the film... Yeah, the Queen, didn't he? He did, yeah. So there's a high risk of him plagiarising himself, is what this person was saying. Oh yeah, that's true actually. Right, um, I think um, I think that's enough of that. We um, we'll just say thank you to anyone that's listened. Yeah, it's terrific. Thanks for making it to the end. What's a, by the uh, way, sure... Rob? Sorry, what, what's our listenership now? I haven't checked it recently. Oh, rocketing! It's it's <laughs> the fastest growing podcast. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Uh, it's um, it's substantial. <laughs> okay, I'll take that. I'll take that. Substantial is a good. Substantial. I don't need figures. I don't need figures. That just cheapen it. Yeah. Best not to. It's not about figures, Rob. No, it's not. It's about the love and about the warmth it's about that we quality. get. Quality. Yeah, quality. Uh... Quality of the listenership. Yeah. A few very high quality listeners. Yeah. That's what you want. Yeah. Otherwise, Ma- you'd be working on, you know, the one show or something. Ma- exactly. Yeah. Maybe we should get an email address so people can send in their love yeah. to us. Yeah, uh, yeah. All right. Well, uh, thanks very much for listening, and um, we will. Yeah, that's it. Goodbye. Bye.